sit comfortably in an upright position and bring your awareness to the sound and the sound of my voice will be your guide along with the rhythm and groove of the music You just experienced part of a guided meditation from Naraj Nayak, creator of Soma Breath. Maybe it moved you to close your eyes and follow the rhythm of your breath. Maybe you let go of some tension and relaxed into the music. Meditations like these have the power to transport us outside of our day-to-day realities and put us on a path toward healing and growth. Deep within us are alternative states of consciousness, often referred to as non-ordinary states. Some non-ordinary states may be invoked by an experience with psychedelic medication, dance, music, or breathwork. Today we're going to explore what those states are, how we could reach them, and the sense of hope they both demand and provide. Welcome to Mind Curious, a podcast for those looking to explore the potential of psychedelic compounds. In this show, we'll dive deep and test our understanding of what consciousness is while talking to experts in the field who are no strangers to tapping into the curiosities of the mind. I am your host, psychologist, Dr. Sherry Walling. Let's dive in. I want to add one more common sense reminder that this podcast does not constitute medical advice. The perspectives of the guests are theirs alone, and they do not represent me, my opinions, or those of our sponsor, Mind Cure Health. Niraj Nayak's guided practices with Soma Breath are meant for people who are curious about meditating, but don't have a committed practice yet. Entering an alternative state can take a lot of time, patience, and discipline. We've probably all been there, sitting down to meditate and feeling like, whoa, I'm doing my shopping list, I'm writing that email, I'm thinking about everything but the thing I'm supposed to be doing. According to Naraj, when you do break the barrier and enter that non-ordinary state, the results can completely change your life. So Naraj, one of the things that I wanted to chat with you about is this framing of non-ordinary states, because it seems like a lot of parts of your work touch on what I would call non-ordinary states. Is that a framing of your work that, that lands for you? That's correct. Yeah. So let's just uh, like define like, what that really means. So when you say going into non-ordinary states, so that basically means altered states of consciousness, non-ordinary meaning our waking state, basically transitioning into a state of mind that is where you're tapping into other areas of the brain and those areas becoming more active and the conscious mind becoming less active. So that can actually be explained as brainwave frequencies and the first thing that i really got into um, myself when i was trying to heal myself from a chronic illness years ago was using altered states of consciousness 
to get into states where you can actually reprogram the unconscious mind. So this is like how hypnotherapists actually plant suggestions into their subjects. They would take people into a, an altered brainwave state through suggestion and like guided hypnotic journeys. So there are different ways you can enhance that process. So in the ancient parts from like the traditions of like tantric yoga, they would use different types of breathing patterns or like shaking, you know, like doing shaking, which shakes up the whole nervous system. Or like um, you may have heard, seen the whirling dervishes, Sufi traditions. So there's many different ways of getting into water states. And just simply going to a, a concert, watching your favorite band play and just getting lost in the music, that's another form of doing it. But when we're looking at it as a therapeutic tool, even that, I would say, is therapy. Like when I used to go out to see DJs and go to raves and stuff, with all the lights and the amazing music and all that emotional music and just all those people together dancing, that was like going to church. And a church in itself is a place where you're getting into an altered state of mind, where you're shutting off the conscious activity for a while. And what that allows you to do then is to actually speak to your unconscious mind, the other than conscious mind. And that's really where the magic of transformation lies. So I got really into this when I discovered like the ego mind, the ego of the brain. It's also called the default mode network. It's the area of the brain that's most affected by substances, like psychoactive substances. And so do all of these techniques from like religion and shamanic practices. They Dance, also, prayer, breath work. Yeah, all works on that area of the brain. And it tends to quieten that area and allow you to step out of it. So rather than being in your ego mind, it allows you to rise above it for a moment and look at your life with a different perception, right? And that's the fascinating thing about things like also hypnosis and how you in just one session uh, change somebody you know somebody who may have suicidal tendencies having a whole new outlook on life or somebody who's an addict for years being dependent on a substance can can let go of that and so I was like very much experiment with this with myself because I had a chronic illness so actually it was incredible that I came up with my own method of doing so quite quickly combining brainwave entrainment music, which changes your brainwave state, combined with visualization tools and like suggestion. So basically I, I devised my own kind of hypnotic process. And your then, own combination of elements. And then I found that the, the breath amplifies all of that. Like it makes it much more effective. And going back to pranayama, Pranayama literally means energy control. So it's a system of breathing techniques and also different movement techniques to move energy in the body in, in different ways, to manipulate energy in the body. And through pranayama, you can change, alter brainwave state very quickly. So yeah, that's what led me to really go down. I mean, I was always a bit of a psychonaut. <laughs> like deeply curious. Yeah, I was always into that. But then using it therapeutically was was really, really interesting. In, in your experience, what are you 
observing in people as they go through these experiences? What are they moving from to? So if they go from sort of state A to state B, they're moving from one place of stuckness to a new state. What have you seen shift? How are they different on the other side? I believe there's a few very simple mantras in the Ayurvedic system that determines whether you're well, right, or healthy. One of the most simple ones, but I think most profound is every time you wake up in the morning, are you waking up with enthusiasm for life, ready to go and do a hard day's work? Or do you feel like you can't get out of bed, right? You just can't face the day. The moment you start answering that question with like, I can't be asked to get, go to my job or I don't want to get out of bed, like, which was me for quite a few years. I'm tired. I don't want yeah, to. That I don't want to Lethargy. Do yeah. Like aware. It's like a real drag. When that starts happening, that's the moment you've got to wake up. You've got to go to shift because that's the first sign of chronic stress. And humans are quite like, we can take a lot of abuse, but over time, that emotional stress can lead to chronic stress, which then causes disease. And a lot of people who are depressed or or are needing some kind of therapy have ignored that question for too long and those warning signs, right? So what we do is we help people shift that perception about reality, like that the universe is actually on your side, that there are things in life that you can fall back in love with, you know, where you, you change your mantra to I love my life and things like that. And we give people a process to do that, which has been very effective. And it's incredible. So like so many like diseases that are chronic, even things like autoimmune. So we have one, one guy who um, is a classic story who had a very rare genetic illness which started from a very young age and doctors said it was incurable and they had no idea what it was. They thought it was polio, but actually it turned out to be some form of MS. And they basically said, like, you're going to be in a wheelchair. And he couldn't even pick up his grandkid. He couldn't even lift his hand up to throw a ball over his head. And after six months of doing our techniques, he actually was able to pick his grandkid up. He was able to throw a ball over his head. And when he went for a check out with the doctor. The doctor said, your muscle tissue is actually growing back. It's like completely shocked him. And a lot of that magic behind that is changing your perception around your illness from incurable to actually this can be fixed, you know? And that hope, giving people the hope for life back is key. You take away a person's hope, that's when they die, you know? So we're all about that, the changing, repatterning consciousness. And so when I hear you describe just that story, I think about thoughts, right? You're changing the way that people are thinking or seeing the reality because you're giving them a different mantra, a different language. Instead of waking up feeling like, oh, I'm dreading the day, giving them an infusion of a new thought to say, no, there's something to love here. There's something to love in my life. But I I also get the sense that you're going much deeper than thinking. Yes, it's a it's a much much deeper. So where do thoughts come from? They come from your emotions, your feelings, how you feel. And where do feelings and emotions come from? Well, emotion is like energy in motion. It comes from your energy, the movement of energy in your body, which is your physiology. So actually, breath pranayama is the most influential way 
of tapping into your physiology like instantly. The breath is the instant hack. Breath is an instant hack. That is so true. I've seen the benefits of breath work, specifically pranayama, in my own clinical work. One of the most interesting things that I've done in my work as a clinical psychologist is to supplement therapy work with yoga. I got really interested in this in my own yoga practice and recognizing how the breath part of yoga and the asanas or the poses really helped to settle my central nervous system. I thought that this would be so incredibly helpful, especially to my patients who were struggling with significant anxiety or with trauma. Post-traumatic stress disorder is essentially a body that can't re-regulate itself, a body that is on hyper alert, hyper arousal all the time. And so yoga seemed to offer these really clear tools to help people settle in to their body in a different way. So thankfully, I had really supportive folks around me and the clinic that I was working at was absolutely on board with me bringing yoga into the therapy setting. So we started with breath, with helping people figure out how to move their breath from up high in their chest to being way down low into their diaphragm or into their belly, as we say. And then we would play with how to match breath and movement, how to make breath slower. And so this ability to make breath low and slow was often one of the most transformative experiences for people who both literally and figuratively were walking through life without being able to breathe. The last few years has yielded abundant research about the benefits of yoga, breath for treatment of anxiety, of trauma-related issues. And I love that it feels like we're coming back around to old knowledge, that the body, the breath, the sense of being able to settle into the body is healing in and of itself. And we've maybe lost some of that wisdom or gotten detached from it with our highly medicalized approach to healing. I'm grateful for the freedom and opportunity within my own work to pair the best of cutting edge science and therapeutic technique with older traditions, with traditions that honor breath, that honor position of the body, things that are scientifically helpful, but also just intuitively wise. Most of us spend the day unconsciously breathing. We don't often think about the mechanics of how we breathe. Niraj breaks down how breathwork and music influence our mind, leading us into different states of consciousness. Breath is respiration. And the formula of respiration is oxygen plus glucose equals carbon dioxide, water, and ATP. ATP is the energy that drives life, right? So oxygen and your ability to utilize oxygen efficiently determines your efficiency of producing and quality of producing energy in the body. And if you don't have optimum energy production, you're going to feel like crap. And then that's going to lead to bad habits, bad thoughts. And you're going to also get a 
uh, unhealthy nervous system, which has a vicious cycle of effect. So in order to change things, we've got to work on our breathing. The breathing is the most important way. And it can be as simple as telling somebody to stop breathing from their mouth. You know, you'll be amazed at how many people's like, actual life issues are a result of not breathing through their nose. It's just simple as that. Because when you breathe through your nose, you actually produce energy much more efficiently. The reason why? Your nose is what's designed to breathe. It's a filter for the air. It prepares the air for absorption. But it also produces nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is a magic ingredient that gets oxygen to where it needs to go. It also has antiviral, antibacterial properties. It's also a vasodilator, a bronchodilator. So it makes you expand rather than contract. And if you over-breathe, which is a problem with mouth breathing, too much air, too much oxygen okay, going in, because it's not the oxygen that's the problem, actually. It's the lack of CO2 and nitric oxide that's the problem. And that's, that's the whole conversation itself. But when you breathe through your mouth, you over-breathe. You breathe too fast and with too big volumes of air. And this disrupts the balance of oxygen, carbon dioxide in the body. Carbon dioxide is necessary, also nitric oxide. They're necessary to get oxygen absorbed by the cells. Otherwise, the oxygen stays in your red blood cells. That's what causes problems in your arteries. You get inflammation. It's what causes um, contraction and high blood pressure. And when you have high blood pressure and you have contraction, you get tension, you get chronic pain, you move towards life with stiffness rather than fluidity and expansion. So just that one shift alone, breathe through your nose, can actually transform somebody. It's incredible. We've seen that a lot. But what I found with Soma, when what we came to was with rhythmic breathing done to music, right, where you're breathing in time to a rhythm, a perfect rhythm. So music has a beat to it, right? Do, 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 do. So a lot of our music revolves around 60 beats per minute music. So music, one beat per second. And in pranayama, you'd breathe two time signatures that revolve around seconds. So in for four, out for eight, in for two, out for four, things like that. So when you breathe in a perfect rhythm, in for four, out for four, for example, right, then you actually harmonize the nervous system. Because when you breathe in, your sympathetic switches on. When you breathe out, your parasympathetic switches on. So when you breathe in a perfect rhythm, you actually balance the nervous system. And that has amazing benefits of its own, the state of coherence. And then there's the rhythmic breathing where you double your exhalation time. So in for four, out for eight, for example. Yeah. Okay. That creates the optimum rhythm for oxygenation of your body tissue. So we'd created techniques where different rhythms like that, different patterns, followed by, because you'll be, you will be breathing faster than you normally would, you would actually prepare yourself to be able to then hold your breath for extended periods of time. And when you do that, when you hold your breath after the exhalation, okay, it's like pressing pause on life. So imagine you're breathing four in, four out for like about five, six minutes, okay? What happens is you're breathing out more carbon dioxide than you breathe in. Carbon dioxide is what tells your brain to breathe again. So what that allows you to do then is to hold your breath for longer periods of time than you normally can. So when you can do that on your after your exhale, it's literally like pressing pause on your life. You're like going stop. 
right? Because exhalation, expiration, expire, basically, what happens when you die? You, you draw your last breath. You basically breathe out. You don't breathe in and die. You breathe out. I'm imagining this sort of suspended animation where you're in, you're in hold, a holding place. Yeah. So when you're holding that pause, you actually are like seizing life for a moment. Okay. And you're shutting down the thought activity down to nothing. And you go into the most deepest, profoundest states of meditation, right? And yogis who are very well trained, they will be able to hold their breath for several minutes at a time. With our techniques, you'll be able to enhance that pretty quickly. And if, even if you don't, just the first time you ever do it, the benefits you'll get from just even holding your breath for like one minute will be astonishing because it's literally like a defrag for your brain, for your thoughts. And it allows your thoughts to reassemble and give you more clarity. And you wake up, you suddenly wake up for a moment because you get out of that constant, like habitual programming and patterning that goes around in your waking state. And then you alter your state by going into that deep meditative state. And boom, that alone can wake people up. And actually, we did a study comparing our technique with treatments like psilocybin and MDMA using brain maps, a, a neuroscientist did it, so I didn't do it. And he was like amazed that with just our 22 minute session, just sequence of rhythmic breathing, which harmonizes nervous system, followed by breath retention. We were observing exactly the same brain states as these techniques, like using psilocybin and MDMA. However, the questionnaires that they gave to participants afterwards, the kinds of things they were reporting, like feeling of connection, oneness feeling like spiritual presence and things like that was very comparable to when people do psilocybin and mdma so and i've seen this all day long in our workshops when we do the feedback at the end people will be like whoa i felt like i just did ayahuasca so that's with longer sessions but even with just a 22 minute session we were getting really good results do people need to be in person to have that kind of experiential results? No, 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 not at all. Like we now do everything online because of the COVID situation and we get just as profound results. People can do it on their own, in the comfort of their own home. And we have instructors, we have breath therapists, our Soma breath therapists who are trained to deliver these through Zoom. We don't do the very intense higher yogic practices through zoom we don't do that we we make that a rule that you have to do that in person because that requires a different level of care and attention but the shorter techniques which are also very powerful you can do it just through an audio track i mean we have some tracks on youtube which have had over uh, you know 150,000 views now and the result see the comments is incredible so yeah i mean what's fascinating is you've taken this this very, very old wisdom and made it accessible in the, the very newest technological advances. So whether that's including it in a digital therapeutics platform like iStream, which is MindCare's platform, or whether it's YouTube, right, making accessible these really old traditions to sort of the digital worldwide community is pretty amazing. Yeah, with MindCure, it's different to what we would have on YouTube. There's a more deeper practice. The YouTube stuff is a great way to test it out. Sort of an entry point for the curious. It's an entry point. Yeah, but you go much deeper with the, the MindCure stuff. Exhale and inhale. 
I want to dive a little bit further into the music behind Naraj's meditations at Soma. It isn't just electronic dance music. The sounds he uses can help transport people into that altered state of consciousness. Naraj knows a lot about music's potential to impact our brainwaves. In fact, he was a musician and psychonaut long before he started Soma Breath. How does your life as as a musician play into this? Because it sounds like in some ways what has really captured this possibility for people is the pairing of rhythm and music and breath that kind of gives people a metronome. Yes. So my mantra has always been from a young age, I used to run big music events back in the day, is that music is the language of the soul, right? And I've always been a passionate musician, producer. And when I first discovered like brainwave entrainment music, I was just blown away. I was very much into electronic music before, but when I heard like meditation tracks and there was lots of stuff on YouTube at that time, this was like 2010, it just turned me onto a whole new potential for music. But I found a lot of the music that was out there was like very outdated sounding like panpipe moods and things like that right just didn't sound very edgy or that cool it wasn't that palatable to the new generation so i wanted to make it sound more modern and cutting edge and then so i decided to add my flavor to it and it got very popular and actually my first business was a music therapy site and then with breathing techniques embedded into it and actually some therapists like marissa pierce started using it uh, a lot of clinics started to use it around the world. Loads of therapists was licensing my stuff. And then um, I met Wim Hof, who was very famous in the whole, you know, this this whole world. And he became a very good friend of mine. We made lots of music together and I ended up producing the soundtrack to the Wim Hof method. But I wanted to go and do my own thing because with Pranayama, it's not just one technique. There's a bunch of different techniques. And so I started adding soundtracks to all these different techniques. And that, that turned into Soma Breath. And now we've got over a thousand instructors around the world trained in delivery techniques. Music's a core part, it's a very unique thing that we provide, which makes the whole process more enjoyable and fun. As a pharmacist, I'm all about compliance. Well, we're trained to get people to take things. Take it at the same time, every day, just the same way, very sort of rhythmic, if you will. Yeah, otherwise it doesn't work, right? But I'm not into medical drugs compliance anymore i'm more into uh, how do we get people to do practices that enhance their way of life regularly mm-hmm. right how do we make that fun so i'm actually good friends with the founders of zumba and they made fitness fun through dance and they've been mentoring us a bit and they said look it seems like you've made meditation fun through music you know you've made transformational techniques fun through music is there a movement component because I think about music and breath and, I mean, dance is such a sort of obvious addition. Yeah. And I know that maybe that's been part of your life in various ways, but as you think about how these techniques roll out, whether it's with mind cure or in other capacities, are you also inviting people to move with their breath? Indeed. So the movement part is, I think, very, very important. And we have different techniques that revolve around different forms of movement. So we have the Soma Yoga, which is the traditional yogic practices and asanas that were from 
thousands of years ago, not the new versions that we see today on Instagram, but the original traditional practices, which uses the breath a lot with each pose. So we have that component. Then we have the dance, ecstatic dance. So where I live in Copangan, it's like the ecstatic dance capital. There's so many of these events going on all the time. I've been known as doing some of the most legendary events around the world for ecstatic dance. So there's a big part of that. So when you become a Soma Breath instructor, you actually learn how to DJ. You know, uh, we provide loads of the music for it. And so that that's a great warm up to our routine. So in the morning we have like, we call it an energized meditation routine, which is starts with some form of movement practice, followed by chanting mantras, then the breath. And that sequence is like become really popular for people. So yeah, the dance is is key. When you bring your body into it, remember your somatic intelligence. Soma basically means body in Greek. The somatic intelligence is paramount to your overall intelligence. And what's happened is that we've become disconnected so much from our body. We're so much in our heads that we've forgotten about how intelligent and instinctive our body is and that our body is in the mind, right? And not separate from the mind. So we we teach people to get back into their feeling, into touch with their body, in touch with their self. And, you know, that can be very profound. Non-ordinary states, moments where we are kind of outside of our thinking mind, where we shift into another part of ourselves. Maybe it's a flow state. Maybe it's a psychedelic experience. But one of the long-practiced strategies for reaching a non-ordinary state that's been part of every culture that I can think of is dance, is the movement of the body to music. I recently had the opportunity to participate in a workshop for people who were experiencing grief, who had recently lost someone that they loved. And in the workshop, we used a model of dance called the five rhythms model of dance to dance through the different elements that we were experiencing of grief. So the the still heavy sadness of grief has a certain kind of motion movement in the body. The angst-ridden, maybe angry, tearing, fierce, painful part of grief has a different movement in the body, a different motion, a different sort of sense. The love that is poured out in missing someone also has a different kind of motion or feel in the body. And so to give grief a shape within the physical body, and then a movement to traditional drumming, different kinds of sound, was really quite transformative for the people that were participating. It was transformative for me. When we segment ourselves, when we say this lives in my head, this feeling of grief lives in my heart, and my body is separate, We really limit, I think, our ability to move through painful emotional experiences or to access delightful ones 
because we're cutting off the flow between the different parts of us. But whether it's breath work or a dance workshop that's targeted to integrating the different parts of our world, our relational self, our cognitive self, our emotional self, we're really drawing on the fullness of our whole experience in a way that I think is tremendously healing and helpful and also can bring deep delight. Even when meditation and healing practices are fun and enjoyable, it can still be hard for us to make time and space to actually do them. It's important to Naraj that breathwork is accessible to everyone, whether they're fitting it into a busy schedule or just beginning their healing journey. What makes it hard for people to do this work? Um, I think it's sometimes hard for people to do anything, you know, other than <laughs> watch Netflix and, and <laughs> watching Netflix. Yeah, we're so in this everything has to be easy mindset, um, especially in the, the further you, west you go, people tend to want thing quick fixes, and that's now spread all over the world. Actually, people are looking for that quick fix, quick fix. You know that instant dopamine hit and usually any kind of physical activity requires some kind of instant result for it to be done by lots of people for it to have the feedback loop yeah like people are looking for an instant hit and i think one of the reasons why our stuff's so popular is because within a couple of minutes you start to feel an effect because it's your breath so a lot of other kind of transformative practices there may not be an instant effect that you get from it even like just changing your diet right right that people it takes reluctant to weeks do that. months to see a result if you're able to stick with it but with the breath you can tap in very quickly so but then with pranayama it's difficult to know what you're supposed to do like it's hard to find a good teacher who knows what they're talking about and then even when you do get taught how to do it you might find it's a little bit boring count in two three four and then you're you know you're counting and get confused and you know then there's all these postures you're meant to do and so it can become confusing but with us with the music component it makes it easier to get into it and enjoy and then we simplify everything, we demystify it and bring you the stuff that really works. So you really make it easy and accessible in the kind of shortest effective amount of time. But it also sounds like it's still hard, right? There's still a sense of you giving yourself over to it. I think one of the reasons why people don't do things is because they're scared of l losing time, right? So you have to devote like maybe 20 minutes a day at a minimum to doing our practice right and it really comes down to priorities like what is it that you really want out of your life and i think what it is is you need to have the hope first i agree with naraj in order to make space for healing we need to believe that our healing is possible 20 minutes a day is worth the time if you have hope. 
Music, dance, yoga, psychedelics, breath work, all of these practices are tools that can help you access non-ordinary states. Dedicating the energy to this pursuit of healing and even finding the right voices to guide you along the way, it will be worth it. If you want to learn more about iStream, make sure you go back and listen to my conversation with MindCure CTO, Jeff Belair, on episode one of this podcast. I think we called it Hacking Into You. Another episode, episode two, Music and Healing, is also a very important kind of continuation of the conversation that I had with Naraj today. I want to thank Naraj so much for coming on the show and letting us share some of his music and meditations. To find out more about his work, go to somabreathwork.com or search Soma Breath on YouTube for great resources and community. We'll also have those links in the show notes. And to follow all of the innovation and the ways that we are integrating programs like Soma Breath into healing practices, check out MindCare at MindCare.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back with another episode of Mind Curious in one week.